Dear world, in continuing with our theme of full transparency, I'm going to tell you that today was the craziest day of subbing I've ever had. And I am emotionally and physically and mentally and all of the things drained. So, it's not going to be the longest episode we've ever had. And not the deepest dive in our walk through the Chronicles, chatting through the Chronicles. But, we are getting back into Magician's Nephew, going over chapters 5 and 6, and I am excited about it. Um, to catch us up, Magician's Nephew has started with introducing us to Diggory and Polly and Uncle Andrew, mainly. We have a few minor characters in there, but um, we are catching back up with Diggory and Polly after Diggory has rung the bell in the deplorable world, and we are going to find out what the consequences of that were. We left chapter four on a great cliffhanger, and both thought it was, but they had never been more mistaken in their lives. When we open up with chapter five, the children are stunned. They don't know what to do, and then suddenly the figure at the end of the room rises and they are no longer alone. The queen uh, approaches them, speaks to them, and they are baffled. Um, she ignores Polly completely and only speaks to Diggory, which makes Polly all the more mad. She was already mad at Diggory and now she's also mad at this woman. Diggory is just baffled. He does not know what to do. He thinks she's beautiful, but he's also terrified. It's very fun read if you've never read it. Uh, I'm going to read here Polly's thoughts on the queen, Jadis, um, the witch, whatever they call C.S. Lewis refers to her as all of these, all of these things um, throughout this chapter and the next chapter. This is a terrible woman, thought Polly. She's strong enough to break my arm with one twist, and now that she's got my left hand, I cannot get at my yellow ring. If I tried to stretch across and get my right hand into my left pocket, I mightn't be able to reach it before she asked me what I was doing. Whatever happens, we mustn't let her know about the rings. I do hope Diggory has some sense to keep his mouth shut. I wish I could get a word with him alone. I love when C.S. Lewis says these little asides of the kids' individual thoughts within the whole story. The queen is running them through the castle, um, trying to get them to safety because the castle is crumbling all around them. And, um, so they are running out as fast as they can. Uh, they are amazed because the queen's voice is very smooth and calm, but her actions tell them something very different. I have had a lot of conversations recently with people about our actions really do speak louder than our words. And so, um, and I think this is particularly true in like manipulative situations or like just like unhealthy situations in general. Like someone can tell you like, oh, I'm annoyed with this. Oh, I think we need to like spend time apart, like all of these things. But then if they continue to come around and they continue to be there, it's like, well, what do you actually mean? Um, helping a friend through a situation of that. And it's, yeah, 
her words were saying one thing um, and her tone was saying one thing, but then her, her swiftness was saying something else. Uh, here are Diggory's thoughts on this woman, which are very different than Polly's. Diggory thought, she's wonderfully brave and strong. She's what I call a queen. I do hope she's going to tell us the story of this place. So while Polly is so concerned about how they're going to get back and how to get away from this queen, Diggory is enthralled. And um, that's going to continue to be a theme throughout the next few chapters, honestly. So she's telling them some about this castle that they've entered and how... um, how her family has owned, like, been in charge of it forever, and what different places were, and how it has come to be in this state. Eventually, they get to a door, which she opens with a hand and a sound. The kids are not able to discern what she actually said, but with this sound and with this hand raised, the door crumbled. And so they move on through. She is very concerned about how they got there. And she's asking about um, Uncle Andrew and what he's the king of and all of these things. And it's so funny because it's like, little does she know that Uncle Andrew is this person who in his world everyone thinks is a freak. And is not this like great ruler magician like she thinks he is. Um, They continue on. And... This is a description that she gives of the land. And I have an Old Testament parallel for us. She says, Look well on that which no eye will ever see again, said the queen. Such was Charn, that great city, the city of kings of the king of kings, the wonder of the world, perhaps all of, the, of all worlds. Does your uncle rule any city as great as this, boy? When she's describing that, when she says... The great city, the city of the king of kings, the wonder of the worlds, um, and is seeing it fall down into destruction. Obviously, there are parallels to um, Revelation in that. But I even think of some of these cities um, that were destroyed in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we think about like Jericho, Babylon, like some of these cities that were so great and powerful, and God destroyed because of the evil within them Sodom and Gomorrah like we can think of these places and how they were looked at with such wonder but every piece of them was so um filled with evil that it it was uh to its demise um and yeah that just made me made me think of that uh so they're continuing she talks about how her sister is the one who made her turn this world into destruction. Um, if she said this um, deplorable word, is what they call it, um, everything around her would die except for her. And that is how we got to the scene that we see in chapter three where they are entering the ballroom. Um, that might be chapter four. Sorry. (laughs) Um, she is describing this. Polly is getting more and more aggravated with her because she doesn't think any of the things that she has ever done are good. And that would make sense because 
It doesn't seem like anything good has happened. Uh, she will not tell them the word, of course. But then they are seeing the sun. And the sun there is huge and red and cold and is not wor warming the world very much. And she realizes quickly that they are from a newer world because their sun is smaller and doing its job better. And at this point, she realizes that she wants to come with them and she wants to go to their world. And unfortunately, they don't really have the power to do anything about that. Um, she would like to take over the world and she thinks that they are her, her key to that. So they, um, for the first time in the whole chapter, the queen acknowledges Polly when Polly, um, yells about, uh, the conversation that the queen and Diggory are having about Uncle Andrew being a king. And, uh, Polly is saying that it's just rubbish and all of this and, the queen lets go of Polly's hand, which she had, as I had said before, she was holding her left hand this whole time, so she couldn't get to her ring. She lets go of her hand, and both kids stick their hands in their left pocket uh, to get back to the world and are quickly vanishing out of the world and can see the warm green light of the world, the wood between the worlds. Uh, coming. So now we move on to chapter six, the beginning of Uncle Andrew's troubles. As they are emerging into this new world, Polly is yelling, let go, let go. And Diggory is so confused because he's not holding her. We come to find that Jadis, the queen, the witch, has held on to Polly's hair and um, followed them into the world. As we've talked about before, Uncle Andrew knows nothing of the magic that he has um, maybe discovered, maybe harnessed, whatever, and that just by touching someone who is touching the ring, you can get to where um, they are going. You don't have to be touching the ring yourself. And so Jadis is now along for the journey. And the kids are frightened because she has seemed to lose all of her power. They were so amazed with her, scared of her, you know, all of these things before they were, um, in the wood between the worlds. But now that they're there, she seems to have lost her power and she is crying for them to help her. Um, and of course, Polly is very much like, no, we're going, but Diggory has a little bit of weakness and waits and thinks about it. He doesn't grab her hand, but he pauses. And I think that this is an image of not, I don't even want to say the weakness of man, but the temptation of man to fall prey to beauty, man and woman. And I'm not meaning just beauty as in physical beauty, but just like the things of this world, we're so quick to go against our better judgment to jump into that. Um, and actually beauty and going against our best judgment and leaning into the uh, will of people who are not out for our best interest. Um, so we 
as they, they jump into the pool and, um, we quickly find that as they jumped, the queen gained enough strength to grab Diggory's ear. And as they come back into Uncle Andrew's study, they are not just Polly Diggory and Uncle Andrew, but Polly Diggory, Uncle Andrew, and Jadis. Now, we know that Uncle Andrew is a strange man. And Uncle Andrew is absolutely dazzled with this new woman. Uncle Andrew doesn't get out much based on what we know about him. He locks himself in that study all day. And he is just in love from the first moment. Um, Jadis is trying to find, figure out if Uncle Andrew has the mark of a magician. She talked about this with Diggory when they first encountered one another and saying that he didn't have the mark of the magician but she sees that uncle andrew is a type of magician that learns how to be a magician but is not does not have the blood or the mark of a magician so we continue on and jadis is just berating uncle andrew telling all of them about how she is going to take over this world that she has now entered that if uncle andrew is not her slave essentially she is going to make anywhere he sits feel like red hot iron and his bed feel like there are invisible blocks of feet uh, invisible blocks of ice at his feet um the kids are scared he's scared and we have a great interaction um well actually wait on that interaction let me read this little passage about this after this interaction uh between uncle andrew and the queen now that she was left alone with the children she took no notice of them either and that was like her too in charm she had taken no notice of polly till the very end because diggory was the one she wanted to make use of now that she had uncle andrew she took no notice of diggory i expect most witches are like that. They are not interested in things or people unless they can use them. They are terribly practical. So there was silence in the room a minute or two, but you could tell by the way Jadis tapped her foot on the floor that she was growing impatient. I think that goes back to what I was saying before of of the beauty and the charm of the world. Of, um, and so often we... Um, we see the the schemes of the devil coming to use and using very specific things, ignoring ignoring things, um, maybe even in our own when our own mindsets get um, distorted of ignoring the good things and only seeing people, seeing opportunities for what we can get out of them instead of. Um, instead of for the good that they are or uh, the people that they are when it's dealing with people. I think Jadis is such a clear um, image of the devil and what what evil does to us and the actions of evil in this world. Um, as I was saying, we now get to this interaction between Polly and Diggory. Polly is ready to leave she is so annoyed she's so frustrated um and so 
reverse for two seconds. Jada says, oh, Uncle Andrew went to call a cab, and after a little bit, Jada followed him, which is concerning because now she's about to go into London with uh, the assumption that she's able to take it over. But Polly is very mad at Diggory, and she wants to leave, and Diggory says, well, you have to come back. And she's like, excuse you have to apologize before any of that's going to happen. And he has no idea what he has to apologize for, which is such a guy thing. I was reading this out loud to my mom. She was not really listening to me, but <laughs> I was reading it too. I was reading out loud in the same room as her. And I was like, oh, been there, done that. He's like, what have I done? What do I need to apologize for? And she's like, you almost pulled my arm off. You ignored what I said, like all of this. And I was like, mm, yep, you're right. <laughs> she calls him a silly idiot at one point, which I just love that comeback. I've been with fourth graders this week and they just have the funniest things to say and it's things like that. You silly idiot. What a what a thing to say. So he does apologize and, and implores her to come back. And then we come back to Uncle Andrew and he is asking Aunt Letty, who is um, his sister, um, Diggory's aunt, obviously, um, he's asking her for money and she is, she is over him in all of his tactics. Um, but he is, yes, he is asking her for money. He's saying that he needs to entertain a guest and she's like, I don't think that's the truth. Whatever. Um, we get to this, this little part of this interaction. Andrew said Aunt Letty looking him straight in the face. I wonder you are not ashamed to ask me for money. There was a long, dull story of a grown-up kind behind these words. All you need to know about it is that Uncle Andrew, what with managing dear Letty's business matters for her and never doing any work and running up large bills for brandies and cigars, which Aunt Letty had paid again and again, had made her a good deal poorer than she had been 30 years ago. <laughs> that made me laugh so much of C.S. Lewis being like, this is a good part that I need to add in the story, but also this is going to bore kids to death. So let's make it real quick, give enough details that the adults are like, oh, I get it. But that the kids are like, okay, keep going. Um, I thought that was so funny. And, and that interaction between um, brother and sister of like, oh, you aren't ashamed of asking me for money. Like, it's just so funny. Um, so eventually they're having this conversation and the witch bursts through the door. And that is where we are left. C.S. Lewis is the master of the cliffhanger. Um, I love how these um, end in such a fun way. The next couple chapters are hilarious. I cannot wait to cover them with you. Um, oh, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. Uh, so... Get excited for the next couple of weeks. These upcoming chapters of this book are why it's my favorite. So I'm so excited to journey through them with you more. As always, make sure you're following along on social media and subscribing, rating, reviewing the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful, restful weekend. Love, Leanne.